Well, hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And let me just start by saying, you know, I really hope that uh, you can take some time and listen to some of our recent podcasts or read some of our recent blog posts, because what we're talking about is just it's so wonderful. It's so fascinating. You know, I can't even go to a church service anymore, you know, where they're just talking about, you know, you got to stop sinning and you got to live right. And, you know, if you don't, you're going to hell and things like that. Not that I'm in church services like that very often, but but I'm just so overwhelmed with the true nature of Christianity. You know, the true reality that that Christianity is about becoming a child of God coming into a loving relationship with our creator and then and then really becoming a part of the kingdom of God and, and working to expand the kingdom and experiencing the blessings of the kingdom and, and working not only to see blessings in your own life, but to see blessings in the lives of others. And we've been talking about the kingdom of God and the dominion of darkness, that fundamentally a lot of this world is controlled by the devil, controlled by the dominion of darkness. But we, the Christians, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, have been given total and complete authority over the dominion of darkness. And it's our job to to join with God and fight against the dominion of darkness. And, and you know, and I'm just reminded now as uh, something that we've talked about a little bit, you know, fundamentally there are two kinds of people in this world. There are there are Christians and there are people that God wants to be Christians. There are people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ and there are people that God wants to become your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that reminds us, you know, that we we don't war against flesh and blood but against principalities powers, rulers of darkness in high places. I might have messed up that verse a little bit, but that's definitely the general idea that, that we are empowered to love and bless others in the same way that God has loved and blessed us. And so I'm just excited. You know, I'm just excited about everything I've been studying and seeing in the word and everything I've been sharing on this podcast. And I just hope more and more people get blessed by this. But so... Along the lines of everything we're talking about, you know, and and what is the true nature of our reality? What is <clears throat> our our job in our existence? What are we supposed to do in the world? Well, so you come to the point where you say, okay, I want to be all that God wants me to be. I want to have all that God wants me to have, not from any kind of selfish perspective, but I just I just want to be what God wants me to be. I want I want all that God wants for me. And, and, you know, and I can do that, uh, you know, really just, just focusing in on God and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But nevertheless, you know, we get to the point where we say, okay, I know God wants certain things for me, but how am I going to get there? What, what are the mechanics of that? Because maybe, you know, when you look at your life, and certainly this is true for me from time to time, I look at my life and I see things that don't line up with the word of God, that know I'm falling short of of God's best for my life. And I want to do better. I want to work with the systems of God to to see God's success in every area of my life. And, and, And so the key, one of the master keys, I mean, one of the top, top master keys is really understanding faith. 
And so we're going to talk today about an extremely important concept that, that we'll call living by faith, live by faith. And, and so we're going to spend a few, uh, you know, podcast episodes, a few blog posts covering this topic. And I really believe this is going to bless you. And, and so let's get going here. You know, some time ago, there was kind of a movement in the, in the church known as the faith movement. And, and a lot of people that were a part of the faith movement, uh, came up with this sort of doctrinal name, which is word of faith. Now, word of faith is not a denomination like, you know, Baptist or Catholic or something like that. Word of faith is more of a doctrinal statement. But now we would say that there are word of faith teachers and word of faith churches and things like that. You know, sort of sort of kind of a loose affiliation of Christians centered around this word of faith doctrine. And and we're going to get into that heavily. Uh, let me say this. You know, I, I do not. Uh, necessarily support every single word of faith teacher. I do not necessarily agree with everything you might hear uh, in a word of faith church or in the word of faith doctrine. But I want to be crystal clear. At its core, the word of faith doctrine is absolutely correct. It is the truth. It is a something that you must understand, something, you know, a way of life to begin operating in. It is absolutely uh, the manner in which God operates. It is absolutely the manner in which we see Jesus operating during his entire ministry. And, and so understanding word of faith, the word of faith teachings are very Uh, is very, very important. And, you know, a lot of the reason it's gotten such a bad rap is, uh, is, you know, a lot of the people, uh, have focused on money and, and that's, that's really a sad thing, you know? Uh, but God's success, the success that God wants from you for you is so much bigger than just money. Yes, it absolutely includes money. I am, I am convinced and I'll, I'll walk through the word of God with anybody. I'm convinced that God wants us to be financially successful. In some of my other teachings, I talk about the prosperity line, that we should be satisfied, content, and generous, that we are blessed to be a blessing, that we should have, uh, more than enough to bless others. But, but anyway, you know, God wants good things for us. But if we put too much of the focus on money, then, then that's really going to derail us in a number of ways. And that real will short circuit your, your efforts, so to speak, in the kingdom of God's systems of success. So here's my point. I'm going to be talking about word of faith. I'm going to be talking about faith. I'm going to be talking about success. But do not hear me suggest to you that I'm advertising this is how you get rich or this is how you make money. Uh, This absolutely will help you from a financial perspective, but it will help you uh, in every area of your life. This will help bring you to God's type of success in every area of your life. And I want to make this all abundantly clear. You know, we're not just focused on money here. We are focused on total life success. And, you know, let's just realize up front that some people are very successful in everything they do. So, some people don't seem to be successful in anything. And, and most people find themselves somewhere in between. You know, I'm somewhat successful in some areas of my life. I'm not so successful in other areas. And, 
you know, and just to be totally honest with you, that's been my life. You know, I can say that I've seen some level of success in, in probably every area of my life, but, but, you know, and I've been walking with the Lord for 16 years or so, but I certainly haven't seen the type of success that God's word promises, um, at least not in every area of my life. I certainly haven't seen the type of success that, that I believe God has for me. And that's totally my fault. It's not God's fault in the slightest, not anybody else's fault. It's, it's my fault uh, because I've really known to a large degree the, the kingdom of God system and I've really failed to uh, employ it the way that I should have. But, but those days are over. You know, uh, I've really got a, a fresh revelation of this, this concept of living by faith and, and really how we need to take our lives to the next level in terms of seeing that all God wants us to see. And that's really something that I, that I'm happy to share with you. But, you know, some people are successful, some aren't. And, you know, most are kind of somewhere in between. You know, some people are successful because, you know, they got lucky. Right. They, they just got some random job, but it had stock options or they, you know, they got a sales job and really fell into a good situation and they ended up, you know, really just just doing great. And I'm not trying to just say it's all money, 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 but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes people kind of get lucky or they win the lottery, so to speak. But, you know, other times, you know, people who aren't successful, it's really not their fault, Um you know, to a large degree, maybe maybe their parents passed away when they were young. Maybe they got some sort of dread disease. Maybe some other you know terrible things happened to them. Uh, you know, I remember uh, you know in in my life early on in my life, you know, both my wife and I worked for my father, and it was solid. It was it was a good job, and and you know things went okay. But then because of the real estate crash, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, 2009, 10, something like that, his business had to go under. And so my wife and I, she was pregnant. We were both left without a job. And, and obviously that, that was not a great time. You know, that, that was a hard time. Other things happened. You know, obviously my family, uh, my extended family having, you know, serious financial problems. And so, but to, to a certain extent, you know, my wife and I found ourselves in this situation where, you know, we were in kind of a bad financial situation. Uh, but that was really from things that were outside of our control. And, and that happens, you know, and, and, you know, we can't get too down. We have to look to God, look to the word of God. Okay, God, what do I do now? And, you know, the answer for me was actually, you know, pretty obvious. I was already a licensed lawyer. Okay, great. You gotta, you gotta go start practicing law. But the way that God brought me clients, brought me into, a, you know, the specific practice of law, uh, that, that I practice now that I have for, you know, these 10 years or whatever. Um, you know, it's miraculous. It's a blessing. It's totally from God and God will take care of you. But, you know, some people who are successful are really successful because of, you know, very disciplined, uh, systematic living. You know, they work hard. They study. They, they, uh, you know, they work on their marriage. They work on their parenting. They work on their business. They work on their relationship with God. And, and, you know, obviously that, that is a, uh, that's, that aligns with, with biblical teaching on how to succeed. You know, that, that we will study the word of God. We will look at what the word says and we will begin applying the ways of God to every area of our lives. And, and you see, the beauty of God's system of success, God's kingdom of God's system, 
is that it can apply to every single person. I don't care if you're a billionaire and you seem to be just crushing it in every area of your life. You, you, you take what we're talking about here. You take the kingdom of God systems and your life will go to the next level. Conversely, you know, I've been to Haiti seven times. I think about Haiti and the people uh, in Haiti a lot. I'm very involved with an organization that has a number of schools in Haiti, schools for Haiti. Uh, dot com. If you ever want to check it out, it's amazing. It's wonderful. But you know, the people in Haiti have it tough, and they have it tough for a variety of reasons. A lot of it is the governmental system, the economic system, uh, and really just just the the overarching cultural systems that are in place there that make it very difficult to succeed. They also create just a, a tremendous poverty mindset. That's one of the things that we try to do with Schools for Haiti and the, you know, the 1800 students we have now is, you know, break these demonic mindsets, give them a vision of success and, you know, help them know that with God, everything is possible because that is the truth. The kingdom of God system will work just as well for the billionaire as it will for, you know, a single parent with five kids and no job in Haiti. You know, that person, obviously, they might not start at the same level, but but you can use the kingdom of God system wherever you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's happened to you, you can pick it up and go to the top. And that's the beauty with God. God loves everybody equally. Uh, God is an equal opportunity king for, for all of his people. He's a, he's a parent that loves all of his children equally. And, and uh, while we are unique, we have fundamentally the same opportunities to succeed and grow and dominate. Uh, now, dominate is kind of an idea that we might have to get into later. But remember, Genesis, you know, God said, let man have dominion. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to have dominion over the earth. You know, God's people are supposed to be controlling, you know, every aspect of this world, the government systems, the economic systems, the entertainment systems. But we've allowed, you know, part of it is we haven't understood that. But a big part of it is, you know, the devil is actively engaged in working to dominate these systems. You know, you just look at the entertainment system with the glorification of violence, the glorification of sexuality, the glorification of immoral lifestyles. The devil and the evil spirits in the dominion of darkness are actively working to influence and lead the leaders of that industry, the human leaders of that industry, because if they can work through the human leaders of that industry, that's going to trickle down and influence all of humanity, which is exactly what you see today. And obviously you see a tremendous impact of that even in the church. You know, I remember one time, now now if the person I'm talking about ever hears this, I mean, you know I love you. This is not meant to be offensive at all. But I remember one time I was teaching a Bible study to a large number of people at our church and I talked about something along the lines of that Game of Thrones is garbage. You know, I was fundamentally a British literature major. And when, when Game of Thrones came out, uh, I thought this, this would be appealing, right? Uh, and so I started, uh, I watched one episode. I watched exactly one episode. And, you know, in that first episode, we see all manner 
of sinful ungodliness. I mean, it's a horrible show. I don't care how much you like it. I don't care what you th- what you think. You know, Jesus ain't watching that show. The writers and producers of that show didn't consult Jesus and what he thinks is right and wrong or the Bible. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing godly about that show. And, you know, oh, well, what about right and wrong and all that? Yeah, well, you know, whatever, right? Just look at episode number one. Not that I'm encouraging you to do that. That show is trash. But but my point is, you know, one of the pastors got on me a little bit uh, for stepping on people's toes because so many people love Game of Thrones. So many people are 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 in in the church who call themselves Christians would be watching, you know, shows that glorify, you know, incest and sexuality and, and bloody, brutal violence and all manner of demonic, uh, you know, things, things that the devil, devil, devil loves that show. And look, guys, I'm, I'm going to stop right now. I'm not going to start ranting about that. But here's the point. The devil has influenced the systems of this world so that they will come in and eventually influence the church and derail our relationships with God and our potentials in the kingdom of God. Just another quick example is how the entire world's economic system is built on debt. Cash is not king. Trust me. Debt is king. What you can finance determines, you know, what you're going to do in this life. Now, that's not true for Christians, but that is the fundamental way that the economic system of the world works. And, um, you know, that that again, because of the availability of debt. Now people have more buying power. Now prices go up. Now paying cash doesn't even really become an option. You know, how many people you know write a check for their car, write a check for their house, right? Few and far between, not to mention the interest deduction, which makes even, you know, mortgage payments appealing. The whole system is based on debt, but that takes you away from ownership, from dominion, from from possessing the land, possessing everything God wants you to have. And we need to recognize the devil's influence in the systems of world of the world and and begin to let our mind be renovated by God so we can come out from under that and we can use the authority that we've been given and dominate and literally rule the earth for the kingdom of God. But look, it doesn't matter where you are today. You know, most of us are, you know, far from that concept today. But we are talking about this system, God's system of success will work for anyone and it doesn't matter where you are. We're going to be talking about faith. Faith is how you get there. One man said, faith is the holder of your destiny and that is the only safe place for it. You see, you see, God has designed a system of known as faith. And it is the way that we bring God's desires for our life, God's will from a spiritual reality contained in the Bible into our physical reality. It's the faith system. Fundamentally, it's the grace and faith system. Everything, all of God's promises are provided through us as an act of God's grace. But faith is what brings them into our natural life. By grace, you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's the grace and faith system that brought you salvation. It's the grace and faith system that's going to bring you everything else that God wants for your life. But let's let's just keep going here. Because because we need to really understand this. If we're going to use God's grace and faith system to go to the top, we're going to live by faith. 
Well, look, I can't just start hitting you with verses. We got to kind of go down to the bedrock. And that's what we're going to do. Four times the Bible tells us that God's people are to live by faith. And that's Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, if you're curious. Four times we will live by faith. But what does that even mean? You know, I when I look at the Bible, I believe the most technically accurate answer to what does it mean to live by faith is that we should obtain our eternal life. Now, most people think eternal life just applies, you know, after you die or Jesus comes back or something like that. But that's not really true. The eternal life is the zoe, that's the Greek word, zoe, life of God, that comes into you the moment you get saved. But that same life persists for eternity. Eternal life, when you get saved, eternal life, the very life of God comes into you and is in you at that moment and will persist for eternity. So when we say live by faith, I believe the most technically accurate You know, foundational explanation for that is that I'm going to obtain eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. But there are other dimensions to living by faith, live by faith, live by faith. There are other dimensions that we're going to talk about. Now, the next one, I would actually say, you know, if to the extent someone doesn't understand that, that, you know, technically accurate definition of a one-time occurrence of obtaining eternal life through faith in Jesus excuse me, sip of coffee there, that that most people, if I say, you know, what does live by faith mean? They would probably say that it's something along the lines of allowing their Christian faith to be their foundation and guiding light. Okay, because of my faith, because I live by my faith, I'm not going to do some of the things the world says are okay. You know, just because they've legalized drugs in Oregon, I'm not going to fly out there and start... I don't know, whatever, right? Doing whatever you can do out there now. I'm not going to start smoking weed because that's legalized in half the country. Don't get me started on that. You know, and again, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying that'll mess up your mind and, and you know, take you away from the mental focus that God wants you to have on his plans. But so you say, okay, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to let the Word of God determine my worldview. I'm going to let the Word of God determine what's right and wrong. I'm going to let the Word of God kind of guide, be a guiding light. What shows do I watch? Where do I go? Who, who do I hang out with? That, that is another very reasonable definition or extension of live by faith. And, and absolutely, if, if you live by faith in that manner, you are going to start seeing spiritual success in your life. I, I mean, I can tell you that's, you know, one of the major ways I got started. You know, there came a day I was after my first year of law school. I'd been, I'd started going to church by myself. Uh, you know, my wife and I were doing, starting to do better spiritually. We're getting in the word. We're listening to teaching tapes. She wasn't my wife at the time. She's my girlfriend. She's my wife today. Praise the Lord. But, but, you know, I just said, okay, okay, God, I'm going to try to do it your way. I'm going to take this word. And if this word says something's right, then it's right. This word says something's wrong, then it's wrong. And, you know, I, I made some radical changes in my life. Stop using drugs, for one. You know, that day, that you know, I can remember the day. I mean, you know what? I'm never going to smoke weed again. I'm never going to use any other drugs again. And I haven't from that day to this. And and so my point is, you, as you live by faith, as you allow the word of God to begin you know, guiding your life, you will definitely experience some ser- spiritual success because that's just the way it works. You obey the word, you can get the what the word, you know, what the word promises. 
And there is a, a part of a very mechanical, right? If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll receive death and destruction. You sow to the spirit, you receive life everlasting. When you allow the word of God to guide your life, you're sowing spiritual things into your life and you're going to reap a spiritual harvest. And, and you know, and I want to mention that because, because it's true. There are Christians who are successful and may not understand everything we're talking about today. You know, you can get into the system and everything we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. You can get in the system where you just say, look, I'm going to live by the word of God. I'm going to love people the way the word of God says to love. I'm going to treat people that way. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be generous. And, you know, the Bible says very clearly, you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. And and so you can just get into a very basic systematic flow of the word of God and absolutely begin succeeding. And and there's not anything wrong with that. But but what I'm talking about really, and I, I don't want to, I, w- I want to state this correctly, the grace and faith system, the live by faith that we're going to be talking about is an absolute biblically guaranteed way to go to the top. And and it can be go to the top in every area of your life. And for Christians as a whole, go to the top and dominate this world systems. And that's really the way we need to be thinking. Now, obviously, it starts in your home. It starts with your family. It starts in your neighborhood and so on. But we need to go all the way to the top. And this will definitely, this will get us there. So, so again, live by faith. So, you know, this final dimension of living by faith, which we might say is, is truly operating in the grace and faith system, you know, living by faith, what faith is, you know, to really understand that next dimension of live by faith, we need to understand faith. And, and, and it, faith is not what you think. We're going to talk about that. But, but when I begin to teach you what faith really is and, and how faith works, you're going to immediately begin to see uh, profound and wonderful possibilities. And it's going to immediately open your mind to revelation of, of the what God can do in your life. And, you know, no longer will we go through life like a pinball where we just, you know, we're just being hit from side to side. You know, an opportunity comes, I takes it, take it, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. You know, uh, you know that I'm going through life where events around me whether I really understand their spiritual significance or not, where, where events around me are all pushing me in another direction. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Rather, I'm going to take all that God's given me and I'm going to be the one pushing the events. You know, I'm going to be the one dictating every aspect of my life according to the ways and word of God. And, and so we go from a life where, you know, seemingly other things seem to be in control, where, where we're in total control and we can con- succeed everywhere. You're going to begin to see how that works and how you can live that way as you start living by faith. Now, let's talk about the word faith a little bit. When I say get down to the foundation, that's what I mean. We got to get down and truly understand faith. Most people using the modern English equate the words faith and belief. In fact, even in the Bible, even in the the New Testament Greek, you know, the the New Testament we read was translated out of Greek fundamentally. The words faith and belief 
are the same word. And we'll look at that on a Greek basis as well. But but so people really think that faith equals belief. You know, you might say that uh, I have a faith uh, in a particular person that they're going to do the job. They're going to do something right. I have faith in Christianity. You know, that Those are these things that I believe. And, and even the word belief, right? You know, what does believe really mean? Well, believe sort of means think. And, okay, I believe the game starts at 3 o'clock. I believe that the stock market's going to continue to rise. I believe, you know, whatever. And and so we we would say that belief is, you know, what do I think with maybe some degree of certainty, but I'm not 100% correct. I believe these things are true, but, you know, I'm 99% sure, something like that. And And so here's the point. The modern English definition of belief and the definition of faith are very, very different from the Greek word that gives us belief and faith in the Bible. You see, Jesus wasn't speaking English. Jesus was speaking Greek. And when Jesus used certain words for believe, faith, unbelief, things like that, those words to Jesus carried very different ideas than than the ones that we use today in the modern English. And so, uh, or let me say this, obviously they're the same core concept, but there are some very important distinctions that we need to understand if we're going to understand how to live by faith in this manner. And so what we'd say is uh, that... This linguistic analysis, you know, maybe it's a touch boring, but but just trust me, this is very important for understanding faith, and and you'll see why uh, momentarily. You see, in the New Testament, in the Greek of the New Testament, the word for faith is pistis, p-i-s-t-i-s, and the the root word, you know, where we get pistis from, the root of pistis is. Patho. Now, patho is the verb meaning convince or to convince. And pistis, faith or belief, it's also translated belief, faith or belief. So that comes from the word to convince. You see, belief and faith in the Bible is not, you know, I believe that the game starts at three o'clock. Belief and faith in the Bible is convinced. I don't think, I don't hope, I'm convinced. Pistis fundamentally means conviction, convinced, persuasion, assurance, belief in the strongest sense. And even the, the Greek word to believe, okay, that word believe is pisteo. And pisteo literally means to have faith or I am totally convinced or I am totally persuaded. Even the word unbelief in the Bible is epistia, which literally means without faith or without pistis. And that's where we get the words apostasy and apostate. So here's my point. When Jesus was using the words faith and believe, he was using the words pistis and pisteo. And what they mean are convinced, conviction, I have conviction, 
I am fully persuaded. I am 100% convinced. That is the first concept of faith that we need to get. When I say that I have faith in something from a spiritual uh, standpoint, I am 100% convinced. I have complete conviction. I am completely persuaded. This is the first thing you must understand to live by faith on this level. And this conviction, this persuasion goes even beyond what what the natural realm would tell you, what the natural realm would say is true or is right. And, and you see, maybe we have prayed, Christians, you know, a, lo- a lot of us pray. And what we've fundamentally done is we've prayed and we've wanted and we've hoped. Dear God, let this happen. And then I hope that it does. That is not faith. And that is actually an incorrect way to pray. And I know that that 99% of people pray that way. But that is an incomplete prayer. And that that type of prayer, while it does include hope, and hope is a good thing, as we're, you know, we're just going to see in a second. Hope's an important thing. Faith, hope, and love, those are the three eternal things. But hope is not faith. And to pray... Only in hope is missing the key ingredient of prayer, which is faith. That's what Jesus said, which is belief. Again, belief and faith maybe not being equal in your mind, but they were in fact equal and the same word grouping in the mind of Jesus. For him, this is fundamentally synonymous. Belief and faith to that 100% conviction standard is an absolute requirement to be praying the way Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus didn't say, you ask God and then hope. Jesus said, you ask God with faith. Now, let me just try to briefly illustrate this in in two quick examples from my own life. The first times I remember operating uh, in this manner. And so so it was February of uh, 2006, my wife and I, we, we had been boyfriend, girlfriend for, you know, three and a half years, something like that. And I was going to propose. And so I'm in my apartment in Atlanta and I had bought the ring from my hometown in Tampa and it was being shipped. I had had it, you know, made and the diamond set and all that. And the ring was being shipped to me in Atlanta. So I'm sitting there in my apartment and I'm Watching the window, you can imagine, right? This is an expensive package. It's coming. I'm waiting for the UPS guy. So the UPS guy gets there. I go, hey, hey, where's my package? And he says, I see the name on my list. I should have your package, but I don't. And and let me just say, this is about 10 in the morning, and we were supposed to leave 3 p.m. that afternoon. We were going to go up to North Carolina for the weekend, and I was going to propose, and it was this whole big deal. It was going to be great. But he says he doesn't have my package. He doesn't have the ring. Well, so so I'm just devastated, you know, and obviously I start calling the sender. You know, I think, oh, what can I do? I call UPS. You know, that went nowhere. All you can see, you know, you pop in the tracking number just says it's en route. Well, you know, mine wasn't really en route, but you can't get anybody on the phone. The sender, I mean, the sender was calling people too, but, you know, what could he really do? He's calling the same UPS number. But, But so I went and I thought, all right, all right. I've been learning about the true application of faith for some time. I'm going to use it. 
right? So what do I do? I ask God, and I'm going to give you the biblical underpinning for all of this over the next few sessions, but I just want to illustrate this principle now. God, you know, I'm marrying the woman you told me to marry. I even bought the ring that I believe you told me to buy. God, you, God, you see the situation with the ring. I don't know where it is. You know where it is. I don't know how to get it here. You know how to get it here. Now, God, I ask in Jesus' name that that ring would be delivered here to my house before we're supposed to leave for North Carolina. Now, now here's the piece. So, so that's prayer and hope. Okay. But what's faith? Here's the faith component. Now, God, I believe that it's done. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Even though there's no package on my doorstep, even though, you know, I still can't get through on the UPS line, I believe that it's done now. So what do you do? Okay, obviously, you, you, my brain's like anybody's. You know, your brain says, no, keep calling UPS. Start driving to every UPS store. Start, uh, you know, hailing down every UPS truck you see on the street. Someone's got that package, right? Your mind says to start operating in the natural because your mind is, is kind of in the natural realm. But what does faith say? Faith says it's done. Faith says, this thing you prayed for, you have 100% confidence that what you asked in the name of Jesus, you have received, it's done. So what did I do? I started worshiping. Because that's one of the great things you do when you need to keep your mind focused on something in faith. I turned up the worship music, I blared it, and I started singing and worshiping. You know, mostly to just keep my mind focused on, no, this thing's done, I prayed, I believe, I received, and it's done. So then I go to class, I had a class, and sure enough, while I'm in while I'm in class, I get a call. You know, somehow the sender got somebody on the phone and they're having it sent out to my house. So what do I do? I leave the middle of class, probably irritated the heck out of the uh, law professor. It was a small class. Uh, hey, I gotta go. So I get home and the UPS guy, sure enough, he shows up, right? I mean about a half an hour before we're supposed to leave town. And uh he shows up. And I just, to be honest, I, I was, I, I was really stunned, you know, I was just, so I started questioning him a little bit, you know, and you know, I don't know everything about UPS or how UPS works, but I'll tell you what that guy told me. He said, he said, never in all my time at UPS have I been sent out on a dedicated delivery where I was only delivering one package. I, this, your package, this is the first time, the only time I have ever made a delivery like this. Praise God. You see, my faith produced a miracle. My faith, God knew where the ring is. He knew what to do. He helped the sender get the right person on the phone. And I got a miracle. We had to, went to North Carolina, showed the ring. She said, yes, the rest is history. All right. But praise God. Praise God. That's that's how it works. You pray, believe you receive. It's done now. And then it shows up in the physical realm. Let me give you one more quick example. A few months after that, we're about to get married. My wife's still living in Atlanta, but I'm home in Florida studying for the bar exam. And and we're about to get married. We're going to get married at the Vinoy, which is a nice hotel in St. Petersburg, which is pretty close to Tampa. So they, they tell my wife, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, two weeks out from the wedding, something like that. 
They tell my wife, hey, we had a mix-up and we don't have any room for your family. Now, none of my wife's friends or family live in Tampa. Her, her whole immediate family lived in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Most of her friends were scattered between uh, Atlanta and Ocala and all these other places. Nobody lived in St. Petersburg. And so they, they, they say, you know, we don't have these rooms for your family. Well, you can imagine, you know, how that went over right here. My wife's family's paying all this money for a nice wedding and they can't even get the hotel rooms. But I remember what happened with the ring. So I do. God, God, you know how many rooms we need. And I need you to open up some rooms so all of Shannon's family and friends have, have plenty of rooms at that hotel. Thank you, Lord. I believe that it's done. And I remember I was in my townhouse, not far from where I live now, by myself. And I remember turning on the worship music and prayed. And even even as I was worshiping, I knew that that thing was done. I had an assurance in myself that that thing was done. There had been no phone calls, no emails, nothing, nothing in the natural realm. But I knew that I knew that thing was done. And sure enough, I'm pretty sure it was the next day. It might have been two days. But but they, they called. Sure enough, they found some rooms. I don't know if there was a mix-up or a cancellation or what. But every single person who wanted a room for our wedding got a room. All of her family. I don't recall any of our friends. I mean, I remember all of our friends staying at the place. I don't think anybody stayed anywhere else. God produced a, a miracle for me. God can produce hotel rooms. God can produce, you know, UPS driver making a special trip. All things are possible to them that believe. When he says believe, it's not think, it's not hope. When Jesus says all things are possible to him that believes, he means to him who has pistis, who him who is convinced, who's in faith, who's fully persuaded that what he has prayed for is done. Now look, those were just two examples so I can kind of illustrate the concept of how faith works for you. But we're going to continue really talking about faith because I want you to understand it from every aspect. So, so faith, pistis, convinced. Hebrews 11 verse 1. This is the New Living Translation. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. All right? This is the same verse in the Amplified Translation. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So these, these two things I just read are the same verse, but from the, the New Living and amplified translations, and they show us the essence of biblical faith, of pistis. And let me just read it. Conviction of the reality of things we cannot see. Faith is conviction, assurance, persuasion for things that we cannot even see. Notice, notice what it says. Faith is the confirmation, the title deed. You own it now. You own it now. You see, you're in possession of something, even though you are not in physical possession of that thing. Think of a deed, right? I may own a property in Africa, all right? 
I'm not in physical possession of that property. I'm not sitting there with a fence and, you know, taking ownership, dominion. I may not even have a physical copy of the deed. But but if my name's on the deed, if I am the title holder of that property, it is mine. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. But it is mine. And that's what faith does. When you pray, when you make declarations in faith, as Jesus teaches us to do, which we'll talk about, as you use your faith, that faith brings what you're hoping for, what you're believing for, and makes it yours now. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't touch it. But it is yours now. And faith, conviction that it's done, is the necessary ingredient in prayer to see all of God's will come to pass in your life. Faith on this level, I'm telling you, faith on this level is the missing ingredient that most people are lacking in their prayer life. I heard one man of God say, this was very telling to me. This guy, now this is a very prominent guy. He said that he thinks he didn't have a single prayer answered for 10 years while he was in the ministry because he would just pray and hope, you know. And, and he couldn't recall a single prayer. Now, look, maybe there's more to it than that. But my bottom line is that was the point. But when he really understood faith and began praying and making declarations in the name of Jesus in faith, you know, his, his, his success rate in prayer skyrocketed. And now he says that, you know, the vast majority of his prayers are answered according to his prayer because he's using faith the way Jesus teaches us to use faith. And I think that if, if we will begin using faith and praying this way, I, you know, I don't think this. I know this. I, I live this. I should have been living it a lot more, and I'm going to start. But if we will begin praying this way and living this way, we are going to see God's will show up in every area of our lives. Biblical faith is belief with 100% of conviction of something's reality. So, so much so that you regard yourself as having it, regard yourself as having the title deed even when there's no physical evidence, even when you can't perceive it with your physical senses. But the key is this faith, this conviction is a spiritual force that that brings God's will into your reality. We must pray, hope, and have faith. And let's just say, you know, remember you, if you're a Christian, you've actually operated on this level before. But it's a little different. But the way you've operated it is by or for your salvation in Christ Jesus. You can't see him. You can't see him alive in heaven. But you know that you have been washed clean from your sins by the blood of Jesus. You know that you're a child of God. You know that Jesus is alive, seated on the right hand of God in heaven. You know that you're going to spend eternity with God. There's no physical evidence for any of these things, but you know that they're true. You are completely convinced you have faith. You have pistis when it comes to your salvation. The way you receive salvation, believe and have faith in Jesus Christ, 
is the same way that you're going to receive everything from God. It's the it's faith, it's conviction. And and so what we're going to do over the next few uh, podcast is we're going to now we're going to now analyze what Jesus has to say, you know, a few other verses, sure, but primarily our great teachings on faith come from Jesus as we see him operating in life, manifesting God's will in life and dominating every aspect of his life by faith. So we're going to really look heavily at his teachings to see how we can begin operating how the Bible tells us to operate, to see God's will manifested just like Jesus did. It's time that we develop our understanding of faith. It's time that we allow this concept of live by faith to permeate every aspect of our lives. Begin using faith for your family life, faith for your marriage, faith for your church, faith for your business. Live by faith. Live by faith. It's the holder of your destiny. When you begin operating in faith correctly, you can you can see God's will in every area of your life. God's promises, God's blessings, all that he has for you. Absolutely guaranteed by grace through faith. I am excited about this. I'm excited to continue talking about it with you. God bless you and have a great week.